Well, folks, I have often discussed listener-submitted hot takes and bold predictions on this show, but today it is my turn to deliver three very, very bold predictions about this Gonzaga team for the upcoming season, including a surprise lottery pick and a potential record-setting performance, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. It is very, very much appreciated here in the midst of the summer offseason for college basketball. Also, a reminder, the show is on YouTube. If you have not checked it out there, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags. You'll find the channel. Every single episode for the last eight months or so has been uploaded on YouTube. You can check them all out there. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Again, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the start of the upcoming season. We're very close, and I know that you guys can help get me there. Appreciate it all. All right, today, three bold predictions, each one taking up a segment as we close out the week here on Friday. Again, those of you who have been longtime listeners know about Andy Locks. It's a segment that we do periodically during the season where you submit your hot takes. I grade them too hot, too cold, just right. It is a Goldilocks parody. Today, I'm giving you... My hot takes, uh, the point of these is to be very, very hot. I would be very surprised if more than one of these came true. I think that the the point is more to highlight things that could happen, why I think that they're realistic. Again, if you guys have hot takes, if you guys have thoughts about these hot takes, please submit them to me at ScoreZagScore on Twitter at LockedOnZags as well. Going to have a lot more bold prediction type conversations as we get a little closer to the season, but I thought it might be a fun way to wrap up this week is to just knock three of them out now. So number one, the first bold prediction for me for the season, Julian Strother is going to score 40 plus points in a game this season. Now I'm going to talk about why it's a bold prediction and also why I think it could happen. Why it's bold, well, it doesn't happen very often. The last time Gonzaga had a player drop more than 40 points in a game was Kyle Wilcher against Pacific. I believe it was during the 2015 season. Uh, It doesn't happen all that often for a lot of reasons. Obviously, Gonzaga typically has a very balanced scoring attack. Uh, Mark Few is not somebody who particularly cares about individual accomplishments, so he's not likely to leave a player in a game long enough to get to 40 points. It, it kind of seems like it would only happen in a game where they sort of need the guy to keep scoring a bunch of points. Uh, Drew Timmy had 37 last year, obviously very, very close to eclipsing that 40-point mark, and Gonzaga kind of needed it. Texas made a little bit of run towards the end of the game, and it you know wasn't against Pacific like it was for Kyle Wilcher, and so you kind of want to make sure that your best players are still in the game, are still getting the, those reps. Uh, and I think it kind of takes a situation like that where it's one player who's absolutely dominating, who's got a bunch of mismatches, and it's in a game where Mark Few is not just going to pull the guy and bring in somebody off the bench because Gonzaga's up by 35 points. That's a tough balance to find, and you factor in that 
Strother's not usually the guy that you're going to go to as like the obvious mismatch situation. But part of the reason I think that this could happen is that that might be more of a reality this upcoming season. It's not confirmed yet, and certainly Mark Few may opt to do something differently, but there's a lot of expectation that Julian Strother is going to take on a Corey Kispert-esque role, playing more of a small ball four as opposed to playing a traditional three. The The belief there is just because of how many guards Gonzaga has. Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, of course, returning. Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith is in the mix. Dominic Harris is in the mix. That's a lot of guards, and it's much more difficult to play all of them if you're also playing Julian Strother at, the, at one of the wing positions. If he plays a lot of time at the four and you're playing three guards at a time, that makes it a little bit easier to get PT for all of those guys. If that's the case, Strother's going to be a mismatch issue for a lot of teams that Gonzaga plays this year. I expect if he ever were to go off for 40-plus points in a game that it probably wouldn't happen in one of Gonzaga's early season bye games, the games that we've seen against teams like Texas Southern and Northern Arizona in the past, mostly because I, I think that those games are good opportunities for guys like Ben Gregg and Caden Perry and Braden Huff to get more playing time as opposed to leaving a guy like Julian Strother to play 35 plus minutes. And there's just no need to do that. But I think that in league play against some of the not as good WCC opponents, teams like Pacific, uh, teams like LMU, teams like even Portland, who is improved certainly, but would still have mismatch issues against somebody like Strother. I think those are games where it could happen, where maybe Drew's having an off night or the outside shooting's not falling for Malachi and Rasir Bolton, or or both of those things are true, perhaps. Uh, and Julian is just hot. This is a man who can, he's a microwave. He can get hot in a hurry. We've seen what happens when he is not hot. We've seen what happens when he goes on cold streaks, and that is a, a big part of what we want to see out of Julian this year for him to improve his draft stock for the Zags to get better is him being more consistent as an outside shooter. He, thought, he shot 39% last year, which isn't bad, but again, he would have streaks of shooting 50 plus percent and then streaks of shooting 15, 20, 25%. And so if he can iron that out a little bit, that's going to be great. But if he gets really hot in the game, hits six, seven threes, I mean, that's not out of the question at all for Julian Strother to hit six, seven, eight threes in a game. I mean, we've, Corey Kispert hit nine in the game. Kevin Pangos has made nine in the game. Dan Dickow made nine in the game. Strother is more than capable of hitting eight to nine three-pointers in a game at absolute max. I don't think he's going to get 12 or anything like that, but Six to eight made threes in a game combined with him playing a role where he's getting a lot of offensive rebounds, getting easy tip backs that way, uh, potentially even posting up, driving to the paint. He's got a great floater. That's something that he worked on a ton over the last year. We started to see him kind of stop in the lane, pop, pop that little floater up, do that. If he has that going, he's got the outside shot going. There's reason to believe that this could happen. Again, the offense, the half-court offense is always going to funnel through Drew Timmy. It's always going to funnel through Drew Timmy. John Fanta said it on the most recent episode of Locked on Zags. Gonzaga's usage rate for big men is extraordinarily high. It's why they can get high-level big men into the program because they can say, look, we're going to use you a lot. You're going to be heavily utilized in this offense. That's not going to change. That's why this prediction is, is bold because... Timmy's the most obvious candidate to score 40 points in the game. He's come pretty freaking close to already doing it, 
But I think Strother makes sense as a guy who just gets really hot one game, just starts absolutely crushing it. He's getting to the rim. He's hitting the outside shots. I think another area that we want to see Julian improve and that I think we will see Julian improve is getting to the free throw line. We kind of talked about that floater and how impactful it is, but it would also be nice to see him go finish through contact, actually get fouled, go to the charity stripe, get a free, get a couple of free points that way. Again, if the stars align, if all the games, if, if this, if everything comes together for him in one game where he's getting to the free throw line, he's hitting the outside shots, uh, Gonzaga's other players maybe aren't having the best game. I could absolutely see a situation where he goes out and has one of the best individual scoring games from a Gonzaga player in a really long time. Again, Kai Wilcher scored 40, Adam Morrison scored 40. There's not a lot of other people who have done that in the Gonzaga program. We haven't seen it in a very long time. So I think it'd be... Strother's maybe not the the prototypical pick for this, but I have a feeling I could see a situation coming together where Strother, we're all on Strother 40-point watch late in the fourth quarter. Everybody's on Twitter, or in the fourth quarter, in the second half, uh, the final minutes of the game. Like, is he going to get 40? Are they going to leave him in? Is Mark Few going to pull him? Like, all of that. I, I could definitely see a situation where that happens with Julian at some point this year. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk about the trio of young bigs on the roster, Braden Huff, Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, as I make yet another bold prediction for this upcoming season. Before we do that, though, let's talk about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but college football and the NFL are just around the corner while the WNBA playoffs are just getting started and the MLB is not far behind. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still hammering through a trio of bold predictions as we close out the week here on the Locked On Zags podcast. We started out the show, Julian Strother dropping 40 points in a game, my first bold prediction for the season. Number two, Bold prediction is that Braden Huff will play more minutes than Ben Gregg and Caden Perry combined this season. Why it's bold? Well, it's pretty obviously bold to predict one player to play more than both two other players at the same position combined. Uh, true freshmen don't play a lot in Mark Few's system uh, unless they are exceptional otherworldly players like Jalen Suggs, like Chet Holmgren, obvious one-and-done candidates. For the most part, it is unusual for true freshmen to play a lot. Look at how highly regarded Julian Strother was coming out of high school. Look at how highly regarded Dominic Harris was coming out of high school. Look at how highly regarded Ben Gregg was coming out of high school or Caden Perry. Perry obviously had some injury issues, which we're going to talk about, but you don't see, especially now because of the transfer portal, because of the incredible amount of talent that is consistently on Mark Few's team, you just don't see a lot of true freshmen playing all that often. Beyond that, Ben Gregg is in his third season at Gonzaga. He is technically a sophomore, but he played part of his high school senior year at Gonzaga because of COVID rules, because of eligibility things. He was able to do that. Caden Perry is obviously in his second year at Gonzaga, 
Both are higher-rated recruits. They came to Gonzaga with more pedigree out of high school than than Braden Huff, and they both have more experience in the system. That makes this a fairly bold prediction that Braden Huff would play more. My reasoning for why it could happen. Unfortunately, injury is a part of it. And I don't think that bold predictions should typically involve injury all that much, but it's not like we're just forecasting a potential future injury. This is an active injury for Caden Perry. Caden Perry played eight games last year for Gonzaga. He played about 53 total minutes. And the reason that he did not play in the second half of the season is because of the injuries. He had ankle injuries and he's had very serious back problems for multiple years. He missed most of his final season at Battleground High School in Washington because of back injuries. He came to Gonzaga. He appeared to be healthy. He balled out during the dunk contest, during craziness in the kennel. Everybody got very excited, like, all right, this dude is healthy. Clearly the back's not a problem. He's going to be ready to roll. And then, unfortunately, things cropped up throughout the year. We saw him sit on the bench for the entire second half of the season. He had surgery shortly after the year ended. There were some posts, some images of him after the surgery saying, hey, things went good, everything's all right. And we've heard nothing since then. So I don't have an update, unfortunately, on Caden Perry's injury history. I am not using this segment to imply that I believe Caden Perry is not going to play. I don't know. I don't know. But it is... It's hard to imagine for a lot of reasons that he has a big role next year. It's hard to imagine that he has any real role outside of garbage time minutes, mostly because Gonzaga has a ton of players in front of him on the depth chart. They have players in front of him. They have players in front of Ben Gregg. They have players in front of Braden Huff. All three of these guys are outside of the actual big man rotation next year. There is a chance that one of them potentially sneaks in as the fourth big, but I kind of find that unlikely. Drew Timmy obviously is your starting five. He's going to play 28 to 30 minutes per night like he has for the entirety of the last couple seasons in Spokane. Anton Watson entering his fourth season. I suspect whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, I suspect he will have a very similar role to the role that he has had his entire time in Spokane, 18 to 20 minutes per game, high energy guy. So I don't think that's changed. Drew Timmy's not changing his role, and Efton Reed is going to play. Efton Reed's going to play. He's going to soak up pretty much every other minute in the front court that is not going to those two guys. And then that's not even including Julian Strother, who I expect to play a lot of his minutes at the four, kind of like we talked about in the first segment. I've talked about a handful of times on this podcast. So those four guys are going to soak up probably all of the actual rotation minutes in the front court, which kind of just leaves... Greg Perry Huff playing some of the garbage time minutes, potentially playing in situations where there's foul trouble, where there's an injury during the game, knock on wood for that, of course. So it's kind of just those three guys kind of lumped together to see who's going to play more. For me, I'm not sold that Ben Gregg is going to be a big time rotation player in this program at any point. I think that he's got a unique skill set. I think his outside shooting is tremendous. I think you look at some of the videos that have come out of him this summer working out in Portland. He looks like he has worked on his body physically. He's moving really well. The outside shot is still there. But there's not a lot else there. The physicality isn't great. I don't think he's going to be an excellent low post score. I think even the WCC is probably about his physical max in terms of pushing people around uh, and scoring down in the paint. And then defensively, he just hasn't been there. His defense the last couple of years in admittedly very small sample sizes, so I don't think that we should look at this too intensely or too critically, but it hasn't been very good. And so I think you're looking at a guy who 
doesn't offer a ton unless the outside shooting is very good, like 40 plus percent consistently knocking down that percentage of outside shots. If he's not there with that, I'm not sure that he's particularly playable. Now, I don't see him leaving. I think he's kind of a Gonzaga lifer. He loves this program. He grew up rooting for this team. I think he's sticking it out. I think he kind of is a Martinez Arlauskas type guy potentially, uh, but th- that doesn't mean that there's not room for him to grow in the future. I think that potent, you know, things could change. Obviously, Drew Timmy's probably gone after this year. Anton Watson is a senior; he might be out the door after this year if he doesn't use his COVID eligibility. Uh, Efton Reed is going to step into a really big role next year, but there's some there's some room for people for Braden Huff, for Ben Gregg, for Caden Perry, and for any additional transfers, additional freshmen to come in the door and, and challenge for playing time right away there too. But For this upcoming season, part of me kind of thinks that the minutes that do go to these guys are going to be garbage time, let's see what you can do type of minutes. And if the belief is that Braden Huff is, who also is around the same size as Ben Gregg, is a very, very good outside shooter. He was lower ranked in his recruiting class, but this guy was Mr. Illinois. He was the best basketball player in a state that includes Chicago, which turns out a lot of really good basketball players. Braden Huff is very good. And I think if there's a belief that he is more of a, a future piece for the Zags, more of a guy who who could start for this team or could play a high-level role for this team, if, if Mark Few and the staff believe, hey, this guy is more likely to be that two, three years from now than Ben Gregg, we should give those garbage time minutes to him. We, we should make sure he, they'll play both. Like they won't just play one of those two guys, but I could see a situation where Huff is the first guy in the game where he's playing a few more minutes per game than Ben Gregg, then Caden Perry, that if there are situations where foul trouble causes somebody to need to come in in the first half, maybe to just get him to halftime, that, that Huff is the guy who gets those minutes. And if Perry is unable to suit up for every single game, which again, I don't have a source on that. I don't have information there, but it's, it's reasonable to expect that Caden Perry may have health concerns throughout the year. That, coupled with Huff potentially being the preferred option over Perry, or excuse me, over Greg, makes it at least plausible that we could find ourselves in a situation where at the end of the year, Braden Huff has played more minutes than either of those guys combined. If nothing else, I think it's very possible that he plays the most minutes. Out of the trio, he may not play more than both of them combined. That's why it's a very bold prediction. But I wouldn't be shocked if we're counting up the total minutes played this season and you find Braden Huff's name on the list before you find either Ben Gregg or Caden Perry. All right, folks, final segment. We got one more bold prediction for you. This one's about a potential lottery pick. We're talking 2023 NBA draft right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still going through bold predictions for the 22-23 upcoming season. We talked about Julian Strother potentially dropping a 40 spot in a game this upcoming season in segment one. Segment two, we talked about the playing time situation for the three young bigs, Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, and Braden Huff here in segment three, it's a simple one. It's the only one that I think I've actually talked about, at least in some capacity on this podcast before. Many of you are probably anticipating what it is, and it's simple. Hunter Salas is going to be a lottery pick in the 2023 NBA draft. I think this is probably the least bold prediction, but the reasoning why it's bold is that most iterations of Gonzaga's projected starting lineup next year do not include Hunter Salas. He may not be a starter next year. You're talking about Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith. Those guys are probably starting. It's possible 
that Mark Few would take one of those guys off the bench, but it's hard to kind of imagine how that would work. Bolton started every game last year. Do you have him return and come off the bench? Malachi Smith scored 20 points per game in the SOCON last year. Kind of hard to bring him off the bench too, although possible. Then, of course, you have Nolan Hickman. Of course, you have Dominic Harris. Of course, you have Hunter Salas. And, of course, you have Julian Strother, who, again, we're projecting to play more minutes in kind of the small ball four role, but that may not necessarily happen. Again, in my conversation with John Fanta on Thursday's podcast, Mark Few loves veterans. He loves older guys. Who's to say Anton Watson's not going to start as a senior? I think it's very possible that Anton Watson starts as a senior, which pushes Julian Strother to the three, which means you have to pick two starters out of those five guards. Not sure Hunter Salas is one of them. And even if he is, or even if he does play a high-level role on this team, which I do anticipate, he's probably not going to be one of your top scoring options. There are very few lineups that exist with the current construction of the roster where Hunter Salas is your even your third scoring option. He's often your third or fourth scoring option. If Drew Timmy's on the floor, if Julian Strother's on the floor, if Malachi Smith is on the floor, even if Rasir Bolton is on the floor, like I, I'm not sure that Salas is, is your more go-to scoring option than those guys. Beyond that, there's a lot of really good guards in this upcoming draft class. You have Anthony Black, you have Nick Smith, you have Scoot Henderson. You have a lot of really, really good guards that are going to be in this class. Of course, you also have Julian Strother from Gonzaga, who's going to be a part of this draft class as well. It's a tough class. Hunter Salas may not be a guy who's playing 28, 30 minutes per night. But the reason that I think it could happen, number one, he has the pedigree. Top 10 recruit coming out of his class in the in the class of 2021. First five-star ever out of the state of Nebraska. The man has pedigree. People know who he is. In this age, in this era, that matters a lot. The fact that he is already being discussed by other people as, hey, he could have a big breakout year. He could be a guy. He's on the radar. That is huge. It doesn't mean people can come unexpectedly show up off, completely off the radar and be high-level players. That happens all the time. And that's one of the most fun parts about college basketball. In fact, that is the most fun part about college basketball is players you've never heard of all of a sudden having tremendous seasons, whether it's at high levels, whether it's, you know, somebody like Malachi Smith dropping 20 points on 41% shooting at Chattanooga. That's awesome. Those kind of things are very cool. But at the end of the day, the guys who get drafted in the lottery, the guys who get drafted in the first round are normally the dudes you'd already heard about. They're dudes who are showing up on mock drafts now. Like that's kind of how this works. Not always, but again, a lot of the time. Salas fits into that bucket. He is well-known. He was at Damian Lillard's Formula Zero training camp this year, not just for fun, not just randomly. He was picked because he's really freaking good. He was there with Keontae George out of Baylor. He was there with Caleb Love out of North Carolina. These are high-level dudes who are in this program, and Hunter Salas is one of the players selected there. So he has that pedigree. There are people who really believe he is going to be that kind of player. Beyond that, the very simple metrics for Hunter Salas. He is an elite athlete elite top level 1% athlete, his size, his strength, his jumping ability, otherworldly. And those things matter a ton. Yes, you need to have the actual skills. You need to demonstrate the ability to fundamentally play basketball, to knock down shots, to create your own shots, to play good defense. You need those skills. And we'll talk about that in a minute with Hunter Salas, but you also really need the projection. Scouts need to look at you and think this guy, what, can, what is he now, but what can he be? And for Hunter Salas, at I, I guess I think age 20 next season, there's going to be a lot of projection of who can he be. We like what he is now, but what can he be? And so those are the things that we want to see from him next year. 
I don't think Hunter Salas needs to come out and average 15 points per game and play 32 minutes a night and be Gonzaga's second best player to be a lottery pick. I don't think that at all. If he does do that, he's almost certainly going to be a lottery pick. And that's where you're going to start to see the very, very intense comparisons that we have seen of Hunter Salas to Jaden Ivey. I understand the baseline comparison. Ivey was a a high-level freshman. He went to Purdue. He came off the bench. He exploded as a sophomore, ended up becoming a top-five pick. I can understand why people look at Hunter Salas, who is hyper-athletic, who was a top-tier prospect, who came off the bench as a freshman, and think, hey, he could do the same thing. That's that's a lot. (laughs) My bold prediction is not Hunter Salas is the next Jaden Ivey. That's really, really difficult to do. But I don't think he needs to be that to be a lottery pick. He just needs to show some improvements, mostly offensively. If Hunter Salas comes off the bench this year, plays 18 to 20 minutes per night, maybe 22 to 24 minutes per night, and plays elite defense, which he's going to do because he is one of the best on-ball perimeter defensive players Mark Few has ever coached. If he plays elite defense, uses his athleticism, gets a high percentage of steals, gets out in transition a lot, and also shows improvements in the half-court offense. This is huge. He needs to be able to do this. He needs to show that he can create his own shot. That's not something we've seen from him. It's not something he was really asked to do last year. So I don't think that it's necessarily concerning that we haven't seen that. I don't think it's concerning at all because he just didn't he didn't do that because it wasn't really part of what his role was. He's acknowledged that. He's spoken to reporters and said, hey, I had a role last year. I filled the role. I'm excited about kind of getting an opportunity to expand that role in year two. And I think that that's going to happen. I think him creating his own shot, him putting the ball on the deck, driving to the rim, finishing through contact, I think he's more than capable of that. But again, needing to see that on a higher usage rate, seeing more of that, more of what he can do with the basketball in his hands. He's a great cutter. He's great at moving without the ball. He's watched all sorts of videotape of Joel Eliyai. That was a, a popular story last year that the staff was putting, sitting him down and making him watch what Joel did the year before. Uh, and that's that's a great player to emulate, a great player to kind of try to be like. For Salas, but but I want to see what he can do with the ball in his hands. And then, of course, the outside shot, whether it's catch and shoot threes, pick and pop threes, whether it's drip, pull up threes, dribbling into threes, whatever, whatever it may be. We need to see more of the outside shot. The NBA is so directly driven by your ability to knock down open threes. You can be the biggest athlete. You have to be Giannis effectively to be able to thrive in the NBA without an outside shot. You got to be pretty much the biggest freak athlete on the planet in order to do that. You, you, there's more than just Giannis who can do it, but it is, it's hard. It's difficult. And if you're Hunter Salas, even if you are as otherworldly athletic as he is, you're going to need that outside shot. He, he does not, he's not a lottery pick and he's probably not a elite NBA player without the outside shot. He might be an NBA player without the outside shot, but it needs to be there. But, For me, I could see a situation where even with this current roster construction, even with the possibility that Hunter Salas is not the number two option or even the number three option, and maybe he finishes outside of the top five on this team in minutes played, that does not prevent him from being a lottery pick. The Zags have had this happen before. Zach Collins did not start at Gonzaga. He was behind Shemek Karnowski. He was behind Jonathan Williams. He was the third big on that team. He played a lot. But he did not start, and he was a lottery pick. He was the 10th overall pick that year. Part of that was because he had a really excellent NCAA tournament, but there's no reason to believe Hunter Salas could not do the same. Salas could be could play a similar role where he's 
one of the top players off the bench, plays 20-something minutes per night, early 20s maybe, and has a good season and is in the conversation of like, hey, what about Hunter Salas? Should he be a second-round pick? Is he a guy that is going to declare? Is he going to come back? Whatever. And then he just balls out for five games in the NCAA tournament, has a couple highlight reel plays, hits some clutch threes, makes some great defensive plays. That's when everybody's watching. That's when the NBA scouts are really, really watching. He does that. He goes to the NBA draft combine. He impresses people with his length, his athleticism. Bam. All of a sudden, he's talked about as a top 10 pick. It doesn't take much when you have the athleticism that he has, the pedigree that he has, the youth that he has. When you have all those things going for you, it does not take a bunch for you to be right in the conversation for a lottery pick. It's a stacked class. He's got a lot of talented players in front of him on his own team. But I have every reason to believe that there is a possibility, a route for Hunter Salas to become a lottery pick in 2023, even if he doesn't, if, if the, this is not going to be Hunter Salas's team, most likely it'll be Drew Timmy's team. If it's not Drew Timmy's team, it's Julian Strother's team. It's probably not Hunter Salas's team, but that does not mean that he will not be the first Gonzaga player selected in the 2023 NBA draft. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Of course, programming note, we are down to three times per week for this month and next month. Still plenty of great content. If you missed the interview with Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated, the head recruiting analyst, that episode came out on when, or excuse me, on Tuesday. John Fanta, Big East legend, play-by-play announcer for Fox Sports 1. He was on the Thursday episode. Check those out. If you haven't yet, we got more great content coming your, later, your, later this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again for those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.